Good morning. Today is Sunday, December the 9th, 2012. We're at the First United Methodist Church of Fountain Valley, California, through the Bible Sunday School class. We will be in the book of Nehemiah, beginning at chapter 9, with George Mulak opening us in prayer. Lord, thank you uh, for your word. Lord, we bless your name. We give you all the praise and the glory, Lord. We ask you to, uh, to teach us to open the our understanding by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in an exhilarating passage today, 9, because we're going to have the people confessing, and we're going to have the priests praying. And it's a long prayer, and just a very inspired prayer. Um, I hope we can get through the whole thing, because the whole chapter starts at verse 6, and it's a prayer to the very end of the chapter. <coughs> now, <clears throat> they're going to recount some of uh, Israel's history. And um, at uh, chapter 9, verse 30, they will say in this prayer, many years you bore with them. He's going to talk now you know, about the disobediences of the people. And you warned them by your spirit through the prophets. Okay? You warned them by your spirit through the prophets because that was one of the main ways God spoke in this covenant, in the old covenant. And it said, yet they would not give ear. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, and there's always a nevertheless with God, in your great mercies you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and a merciful God. And that is the part about God that is hard to be understood. He is a just God, but he is a God abounding in steadfast love and mercy. So they had every reason. Now, uh, just a couple things about the prophets and God speaking through the prophets. You can understand then why Hebrews opens the way it does at chapter 1, verse 1. Get myself to Hebrews. I think that's almost my favorite book of the Bible, but I have too many favorites. Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So when people say, how does God speak to you? Well, long ago, he spoke to his people through the prophets. But now he has spoken to us by his son. Well, how has he spoken to you? Well started with Calvary. That was a big speak. Yeah. yeah. Last night, we went to the movies, and we went and saw, because we were already out here, then we had dinner, yeah. and we went we went to see The Life of Pi. I don't know if you've oh, seen that. That's an amazing movie. Story of this Indian boy. But anyways, he's searching for God in this beginning part, and so he um, uh, he's very taken with Christianity because he can't understand a God who would die for the guilty. And it's brought out in, in the movie. What kind Ooh. of a God would send his son to die for the guilty? Hmm. And I said to George, you know, he continues to search. I don't want to tell you because you should watch the movie. And then he gets into some trouble. And he does call on God, but you don't really know which God. Yeah. But he's trying to find the true God. But um, I just thought that was interesting. You know, he said, what kind of a God dies for the ones that he created that are the guilty ones? So God now speaks to us through his son, and then, of course, Hebrews goes on to say who this son is. 
that he is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's nature. Well, Jesus said that himself. And he said, show us the Father. Philip said that. And he says, well, how could you be so long with me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I'm the exact imprint of the Father. The Father is exactly like me, and I'm exactly like the Father. And this Son upholds the universe by the word of his power. Well, how has God spoken to you through his Son? Well, this whole world that you live in is upheld by the word of his power. And then, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty. I always wonder if that's maybe the verse that inspired um, Jack Hayford in uh -huh. his hymn, The Majesty on High. And he was more superior than angels. And then the lo a lot of the rest of this chapter in Hebrews is to explain all the many ways we know he's higher than the angels. It's interesting that it was important that they understand that, that he wasn't an angel, and he was higher than an angel. Because God never said to one of his angels, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. God never said that to an angel. In fact, the angels long to look at what we have mm -hmm. as heirs of salvation. So here in this prayer in Nehemiah, he says many years through the prophets. Then I started, I didn't make a complete comprehensive work of it, but I started to look at the prophets and just how many long years did God bear with them? Okay. Well, I, uh, Micah started prophesying in 750 B.C. Isaiah in 740 B.C. Jeremiah in around 640 B.C. Those were southern prophets. Hosea, northern prophets, 750 B.C. And Amos, interestingly enough, who was from Judah, was sent to the northern, and he was at 792 B.C. I didn't get through all the prophets, but you can see the gist. The gist is, we're at 400-something B.C. when this prayer is being prayed in Nehemiah 9, and for maybe at least 300 years, God had spoken to them through the prophets, and born with them, and warned them by his spirit. So people will say, yeah, I just, I stick to the New Testament because that I can understand, the love of God, but I can't stand that Old Testament. You know, is this the same God? He's, he's so fierce, and he's so rough on his people, and he's so judgmental. Really? 300 plus years? Does that sound unmerciful to you? There's not even a parent that would wait 300 years, okay? <laughs> so, um, no. So you see how there's a twist there? If you really look into it and you dig into the Word, you see that it's true. So that at verse 32, and we really will go back to 1, he says, Now therefore, in his recap, our God, the Great, the Mighty, we might add in the majesty, the awesome, who keeps covenant and steadfast love. Well, I think all those years is keeping covenant and steadfast love. So there is no different between God our Father in the Old Testament 
and God our Father, who Jesus is the exact imprint of in the New Testament. This is the same God. A different covenant because the, the sacrifice made once and for all that would crush the serpent's head prophesied to us really is back as far as Genesis 3.15 that there would be this one that would come and the prophets talked about it forever and ever until we get to those final prophets John the Baptist and I think Anna and Simeon mm -hmm. who said mine eyes have now seen the consolation of Israel okay so just wanted to bring that forth, you know. So here we are now. We had left last Sunday. The people had had the law read to them, remember? Mm -hmm. And I love it, verse 8 of chapter 8. It says, they read from the book from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. That's what every good minister does. Reads God's word clearly, gives the sense so the people can understand. That, to me, is a good teacher. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, at verse 9, they taught the people. and They taught them that the day was holy. And then the people kept the Feast of Booths. And that's the rest of chapter 8. And that's where we left ourselves. It said, and day by day, at verse 18, from the first day to the last day of the feast, that the book of the law was read. And they kept the feast seven days. Now, that's where chapter 9 opens. Now. Now what? After the book had been read, good teaching, people understood. They kept the feast. Bible read seven days. Then we get to now. Now, on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. For three hours. You, you have three hours? Mine's mm -hmm. added three hours. got that from. So, I thought it was interesting that um, it takes a lot of Bible reading for the word of God to get down deep into a people who have been for centuries walking away from God to get them to this point. Because you get the word of God into a believer and it will start doing its convicting, changing work in the life. Only God can change the person and bring the person to understand and to see. And it says the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners, foreigners, mm -hmm. Well, we'd already discussed that this was a continual problem, that even the priests had intermarried with foreign women. So what helped them to see it? Well, it has to be taught to them, but it takes the Spirit of God for a sinner to realize, oh my gosh, i got to separate myself from foreigners. So the Israelites separated themselves, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. They wanted freedom. That's why you confess the iniquities of your father, because you understand that you are from the branch of your father. That's why we are, as Paul said, grafted into a new branch. Now we have his lifeblood flowing in us. 
were, were, were uh, wild olive branches that have been grafted in, Romans tells us. And they stood up in their place and they read from the book of the law their God for a quarter of the day. That's where your That's where hours. hours for another quarter of it, they made confession and worshipped the Lord their God. So, I'm not sure if they were working on a 24-hour day and day and night the way we do. But if they were, this is a lot of hours of reading the Bible, confessing, and worshipping. And again... Remember we talked about what a good service looks like last week? <laughs> Here's more emphasis about what a good service. Hours and hours of praying, hours and hours of worshiping, hours and hours of studying the Bible. Well, you can't get much better and decide which order. You know, we work with all different orders. Do we teach the word first and then we worship? Or do we worship first so the people's heart can receive the word? There's all different ways of approaching that. But they're all necessary. And it says... For another quarter they made confession and worship, and on the stairs of the Levites stood, and now we have the listing, Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shabaniah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, and Chanani. And they cried with a loud voice to the Lord their God. It's okay to be loud in church, too. Then the Levites, <clears throat> and here we list them again, mm -hmm. Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shabaniah, and Pethahiah said, Stand up! Bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. That's called an exhortation. Stand up! Bless the Lord your God. Watch how Don will lead the people in worship. He's always doing that. And when you hear that sounded, you think, Yes, stand up! You know, so he says, stand up and bless the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. And now we have direct communication to God. Verse 6. You are the Lord. You alone. Of course, that's the, we decided that's the Shabbat. Is that how you say it? That prayer. Our Lord, our God is one. You are the Lord. There is none other. That's the first commandment. Mm -hmm. You are the Lord. There is no other. You have made heaven. You have made the heaven of heavens with all their host. The earth and all that is on it. The seas and all that is in them. So that's everything. The host, the starry host, the heaven of heavens, the earth, everything on the earth, plant, man, beast, and the seas, and all that is in them. And you preserve all of them. In him we live and move and have our being, it says in Acts. And the host of heaven worships you. That's how everybody really likes to look at the stars, because the stars are worshiping, but they don't really recognize that. And that worship is, there's a spirit about that worship. So people will even take their sweetheart out to look at the stars. See? They're worshiping. You are the Lord, the God. Now we have a lot of verbs. And listen to what this God, the Lord, does. He chooses. He chose Abraham. He brought Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. And God is the one that brings us out. And renames us. Gave Abraham a name. Abraham. And of course the Ha of Abram is the spirit breathed into Abraham. 
you found his heart faithful before you because God tests hearts. That's what David prayed. He knew in the Psalms, God is a tester of hearts. He tested Job's heart. Okay? And made with him the covenant to give to his offspring. Do you see anything in there that man does? Or does it look like all God using these verbs? God chooses, brings out, gives the name, finds the heart faithful, makes the covenant, and gives to offspring. And he gave to the offspring the land. Gave them real estate. And they didn't manage the investment well. Okay? They weren't good real estate investors because... The landowner that gave them the land asked for something in this covenant, which they did not give. But he gave them the land of other landholders before them. The Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Girgashite. And you have kept your promise, for you are righteous. So you see, they're declaring who God is. And of course, this declaring type prayer is still building up faith in the people. Stand up. Bless the Lord. Glorious is his name. He keeps his promises because he is righteous. And you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt. And they were slaves. Their, their condition is very similar now. They've gone full circle. From slavery back to slavery. And he heard their cry at the Red Sea. And he performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants, and all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted arrogantly against our fathers. Arrogance is one of the most disgusting things in God's nostrils, because we are his creation. We have nothing to be prideful or boastful about. And whenever you see a boastful, arrogant leader, consider ruin is the next thing that will happen. Because Humility, God rewards, and arrogance, God uh, judges. I believe that in rulers. And I always thought about the very end, tail end of Sodom Hussein. That was a man that did not love his people. That was a man that literally, in the monetary sense and in the physical sense, raped his people in every way, shape, and form. And in the end, where was he? In a ground like he was a little rug rat, okay? When he came up out of that hole, I was like, how befitting. You're like Nebuchadnezzar crawling on your belly, running from the Americans. I mean, what a ridiculous thing that was. There he was in the hole after all that opulence and all that raping, okay? Arrogance. And God performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, arrogant Pharaoh and his arrogant servants. Well, I think they were floating, horse and rider thrown into the sea, right? <clears throat> and you made a name for yourself as it is to this day. Well, I think that's a very pregnant sentence. He did make a name. He revealed it for the first time to Moses, remember? And who shall I tell him has sent me? I am that I am. And of course, when we get to all the I am's of the Gospel of John, 
it's very reminiscent of that. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because the I am is the I am. So he gave, made a name for himself as it is to this day, and you divided the sea before them. So they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and you cast their pursuers into the depths, horse and rider thrown into the sea, as a stone into mighty waters. And what happens to a stone thrown in mighty waters? Sinks. That's what stones do, they sink. So you can be strong in your own strength, but God can sink you in a minute. By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day, and by a pillar of fire in the night, to light for them the way in which they should go. Because why? He's the light of the world. <clears throat> you came down on Mount Sinai. This was uh, pretty dramatic because the, the mountain shook. Hebrews will also recount this. Since I didn't leave Hebrews, you don't have to turn there, but we'll find what Hebrews says about the coming down to Mount Zion. Um, this is Hebrews 12, verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched. He's talking now to these Hebrews and this new covenant. A blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you haven't come to that mountain, Hebrew says. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn that are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And best of all, you've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And whose sprinkled blood? Well, Jesus' blood himself. So, Hebrews writer says, see that you do not refuse him. For if they did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, this, this uh, meeting God coming down to Mount Sinai, much less will we escape if we eject, reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. So that's what he's referring to here in the Nehemiah passage, that... Uh, God visited them. He came down on Mount Sinai. The coming down in the book of Hebrews, where we now can approach a mountain in a very different way because of our mediator, Jesus Christ, is what makes it so amazing because you have to come back to this. But he did come down. And he came down and spoke with them from heaven and gave them right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. And you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them commandments and statutes and a law by Moses your servant. Now the Sabbath had been very, very um, 
done away with by this point. Because remember, they were even trading on the Sabbath. And now they're going to close the gates on the Sabbath and not allow there to be business done. And then it says, You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. So now you can see when Jesus gets up on the great day of the feast and says in John 7, you know, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. But he is the one that gave them bread for heaven for hunger and water for thirst. And you told them to go in to possess the land that you had sworn to give them. And since we have, have to quit here, it might be a good passage because now the prayer is going to change at verse 16. Based on all this that you, God, have done, you who preserve all of creation and has made this great revelation of yourself and given us good laws, good commandments, good statutes, made yourself known to us, said, go possess the land. Then we get to verse 16, but, but. So I think that's a good stopping spot for us. And Bill Beverly, if you Our Father, we thank Thee for this beautiful day. We thank Thee for this wonderful lesson. We thank Thee for Vicki and her effort to bring Thy word to us in such a clear fashion. Father, be with us as we go forth today. Help us to live Thy word, to demonstrate to others Thy word. Father, be with us today. In Thy name we ask, Amen. Thank you, Bill. You have been listening to Bible study verse by verse with Vicki Mulak. For more of these podcasts and some resources, please go to our website at www.biblestudyvbv.org. O-R-G. That's www.biblestudyvbv.org. V is in Victor, B is in boy, V is in Victor. The VBV stands for verse by verse. dot org. O-R-G. There you can register and contact us, or just leave a comment. We welcome your feedback. Thank you. This is George Mulek.